0: Right, (laughs) Shani. We're just gonna leave it right. I thought that would be very good to start off just this little this HBCU episode because this special bonus episode of Getting Grown is presented commercial free. Thanks to Target. Target is partnering with HBCUs to support the next generation of black talent. Sure, so right. with that being said, I just wanted to give you them two lines because this is about school. Sitting in my class, <laughs> just drifting away. I'd rather get to the guests because it's a phenomenal conversation. I'm so so good. shall we head that way, sis? Let's do
2: it. Everybody, we're excited. Welcome back to another Uh, ad-free episode of uh, getting grown we're excited we've got some bonus content brought to you especially from our good friends um, at the black beyond measure campaign at target we Mm -hmm. are still um digging into illuminating unpacking exploring the hbcu experience and today we get to have um an experience we get to engage someone who's an actual alum of of an HBCU and gain her experience and insights and what, what her experience of, of, um, historically black college, her particular university, which I think was FAMU, right? All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So we're going (laughs) to welcome Whitney to the kitchen table. Welcome, welcome, welcome Whitney. We just love to have you here. We are great to see your face in the place. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Um, yes, indeed. So yes, we want to learn more about you and about your journey through the fam, you and how that has shaped you into the wonderful human being that you are. But before we get to all of that,
3: how are you doing? How I are am you? I am thriving mm-hmm. today. Today is a thriving oh, come on, day. Guys. Yes, it's yes. a thriving hey. day. So I have to sit in that too. It's easy to complain, and I have hmm. done my fair share of complaining, and it has been a rough ride. But th- today is a good day it was you a very driving. good
0: day. now do we know each I other know. well because your face looks so familiar Ooh,
3: oh. man you know sometimes <laughs> i see <laughs> i see you in passing I but know. every now and then i'm like i think i know this girl i, I don't know, know her same. name same i'm just excited to be able to actually no, place a name on my and face together over. right what's now, your name again but- Oh, I hang on the internet. Don't do names, Jay. Let's not do names, boo. Oh, okay, right. That's
0: right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to let you all know that a good chunk of my core tribe is right here on this re- on this recording <laughs> hey. between Dr. Kia and Whitney. I speak to them both on a weekly basis. <laughs> so Absolutely. I'm very excited to have you in this capacity. We are very oh, excited you. to have you here at the kitchen we table. Are. Yes, we are. Yes, so are. I think we shall waste no more time, actually. Well, K- Kia, up. how are you, sister? How are you doing today? You
2: know, I am I, I, going to try to, I'm aspiring to thrive. Like <laughs> <you are. laughs> Thriving I, am, aspirations. I have, I have aspirations to thrive. <laughs> But you know I'm safe I have what I need I haven't an, any oh, complaints you know we're dealing with what we're dealing with but we're doing uh, it and we're, it.
0: we're all we're all good you're doing okay everything good I well am everything's in? good I went and got my claws done today you Very know nice. it's it's been a good day it's been a fiery day I I'm oh enjoying my. it and so but I'm super <laughs> I mean, excited the to get is to abounding. this all right <laughs> 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 what did the ma- what did the miko ma- oh.
3: ma- say <laughs> woo, woo, woo. But over
0: the internet.
2: All over the internet.
3: <laughs> <over the> internet. <laughs> <laughs> What's <When> somebody saying <laughs> Blue I mean, Ivy's internet at that? Blue Ivy's like, oh internet.
0: But you know what we're doing? We're sitting on Blue Ivy's internet right now. We're going to turn we this are. into a positive direction. Yes, we are so excited must. to have Whitney here to share her very unique and personal experience um around being at FAMU, being an alum of FAMU, but also uh, how that kind of impacted you in your personal life. So... Before we get into it, I really I want you to tell the people, tell them where you're from and tell them where you at.
3: Ah, mm. hey, where I'm at physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Physically, physically, oh, bitch. We don't need oh, all the okay. business. Because, you know, your girl, your girl's a counselor. I can go deep real quick. Oh, okay. she's like, how much
2: time you got? How much time okay. I got?
3: You feel me? I'm still trying Let's to get do this. it. Um, I am a first generation American born and raised in New York, uh, to a Trinidadian family. I can't even say parents cause my whole family was, mm-hmm. uh, elbow deep in, in my experience. <laughs> um, and I am a, a physical nomad. Mm-hmm. I've never been in one place for too long. Thanks to my kooky mother. Um, and I am currently residing in country number six, I think, I'm pretty sure six or seven, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the Netherlands. I I live in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. It is the Brooklyn to Amsterdam's Manhattan, if you will. Really? Yes. AKA what Jade and I like to call the white motherland. Yeah, she live in the white motherland.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I be che- That's why I be checking in on her. I'm like, okay, so you know, are how you are you doing? Wh- Whitney good actually life. lived a, a a true life, 90 day fiance, um, ex- the other way experience. You know what I'm saying? She moved to Rotterdam. Okay. Um, for that, you know, for stuff. And <laughs> but we're gonna get we're gonna talk about her journey more because I think yes. that your experience at FAMU probably helped with. Ooh.
3: Man. yeah kind of that whole trajectory. Famu owes me nothing. They wow. owe nothing. So let's they get into that a little that. bit.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does how does Whitney, born and raised in New York, end up at FamU? At the the
3: highest of Seven Hills. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> yes. it, was, it was a struggle because, and I, I I think we're gonna get into this a little bit later in the conversation. My particularly my mother was absolutely against me going to family. Yes. Um, mm. My cousin Alyssa went to FAM and I went to visit her for Thanksgiving. And when I tell you, there are a few, like a handful of instances where I felt something pass through my body that was like, this is it. And it was one, my trip to Ghana, hands down, changed my life. And my visit to her during Thanksgiving at FAMU on campus. It it literally, I remember a physical feeling like this is it, this is what I need. Um, And when I said that, I think I was like 14 or 15, my mom moved me to my fourth high school in four years at the International School of Port of Spain in Trinidad. So I was like a local kid at the international school. It was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I told her I wanted to go to FAM. And I remember her saying, you're not going to school with all those black people.
1: Mm -hmm. And I was
3: deeply confused, like, Again, like, but, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, I also kind of was, I wasn't shocked by it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so I ended up enrolling in a PWI. I, I was, I went to Pace university scholarships, all, all that. Um, everything that my Caribbean mother wanted, mm-hmm. um, except for the major, I was still a psych major, which was much to the chagrin of a lot of my family, like psychology, ooh but I was underage. I wasn't old enough to make those decisions on my own. I wasn't 18 yet. So I had no choice. And the minute I turned 18, I think I turned 18 in January and by April I would, I dropped out of all my classes and applied to uh, fam for, I think, no, the, the, the semester prior I applied mm-hmm. to fam, I got in and I withdrew from all my classes behind my mother's back, turned 18 and was like okay i'm going um oh, wow. but i selected psych not, um engineering to mm-hmm. appease her like maybe that will soften the blow a little bit like i'm gonna be an engineer girl
1: that's <laughs> what she always wanted
3: um and i, I that's how i got to fan you. i had to do it under the the cover of night and and sneak my way in there and be prepared to move myself and my mother told me she's like i'm not financially supporting you in this decision. Um, She did help me move and she was supportive in my move, but I knew she was really against it. But it literally was a decision that absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. And I am so deeply grateful. So grateful. So though
0: some of those moments you said where it kind of passed through it, it like you felt that feeling like it was sure this is what I wanted to do. What were some of the experiences that you had um, at the FAMU campus that that made you say, I, this is, this is what I need to be doing with myself.
3: You know, it was the, um, community. Like my cousin, Alyssa is the, ever since we're, I was young, like before college was even a thought, she's always been an an attractor, right? Like she's always, people are drawn to her in in the most significant ways. And I always admired that, um, about her, as your stereotypical shy child, right? Like I just, Mm -hmm. I would try to cover myself and just like not want to exist in front of people. And she was the, she felt like the opposite. So when she got to fam, she had this dope life. Like there was an independence and a glow about her that I think that fam, you encourages where you feel powerful in your space and you feel connected to other like-minded people in a really significant way that you can navigate through a very difficult life mind you it's not easy Mm -hmm. um but feeling connected to other people so it was that it was seeing her like people that we met friends that would come by just very casual it was nothing official or formal but all these people these black people just coming in and they were just so beautiful and educated and and funny. They were so funny. I cracked up laughing the entire time. And I felt like, not envy, but a yearning. Like, I want to exist in this space. And a lot of my educational experience, because of the way um, education is set up in America, was with white people. And Mm -hmm. I just never got to feel myself. When I was funny, it always felt like borderline clown shit, right? Like when Mm, I was mm, attractive, it it felt borderline fetish. It would just, mm, it never felt real. And that was the first time I was able to witness it real. And the second thing was Tallahassee had seasons and there was something about being in that region and and driving through the, the neighborhoods and seeing like the leaves changing. It was November and it was just this really crisp cool it was like the perfect mix of like the south and and the north that Mm -hmm. I needed I don't know that was Mm -hmm. part of it too
0: so let's let's take it back a little bit let's travel back uh before FAMU before college before all of that um you had a pretty unique experience growing up as far as viewpoints in your household right
3: yeah
0: yeah so and you talk about how how important your family experience was. Do you mind sharing with us a little bit of what was going on in your household as to why you had a yearning to be in an environment like this?
3: So it's funny because um, before we started this conversation, I was talking to my partner and I was telling him like, I I did another conversation earlier with another good friend of mine and it went so well and I was just like kind of chatting through it and it, it feels natural, these conversations because of the safe space and the people that I'm with. I love it. But there's always something about this topic that is particularly sensitive and vulnerable for me because it's such a deep window into my growth and not everybody gets to like see that right they see the the end result or the current result i should say not the end result but it it, but taking them through that it it is it's very telling of my experience and some of my um challenges but it also tells a lot about my family which i am deeply respectful and grateful to no matter what like i never want these conversations to be um admonishing their 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 experience because that came from somewhere as well and that's their story to tell um, so I always feel a little anxious about this, but it is really important. And it's something that I have talked about before. And I, I, I genuinely enjoy talking about, cause like you said, there are other people who have felt this way mm-hmm. and who have had a similar shared experience with me. Um, so the first thing, when you say like my household, I think I hear my mother yelling, it may be New York out there, but it's Trinidad in here. Like, it's like you coming back into this Trini household. I don't care what the people told you about America out there, but in here it's Trinidad and we do things our way, whether it's doing a weird column for math. And I'm like, this is not how my teacher was telling me how to do this. Girl. What, is this? <laughs> what is this from the old country? Like they're not going <laughs> to, no ma'am. Or me spelling color with a U and people are like, girl, what? Like, mm, what is happening? Um, to try to explain to my very Caribbean grandmother about the idea of Halloween, knocking on strangers' doors, asking <laughs> them for things. Like, uh, yeah. And then there was the messaging, the unspoken messaging, right? Where my grandmother is a conservative person in her nature overall. Mm-hmm. So she was conservative in Trinidad and conservative in America, but conservative mm-hmm. in America. Um, is very different as a Black person, right? Like, it just, it looks real different. Mm -hmm. And for them, coming from, I wouldn't call Trinidad a homogenous space, per se, but there's something about the offsetting where you don't have to be Black, in Trinidad necessarily. Like you can mm-hmm. navigate your life without ever identifying yourself as, oh, I'm a black person, you know? There's right. so many other words, Dogla, Chinese, um, Indian, Negro. Like they use all these words to like mm-hmm. describe people, darky, reds, uh, all kinds of things. Oh, so they called they,
0: me clear. The kids <laughs> called me clear. They were like, oh, the little clear girl, the clear lady. <laughs> More like broth, no. yeah, nigga, they called me bone. Shade. They called me bone broth. I'm serious. What? I'm,
3: I can't make it up. The clear one. It's the clear one. The clear. I, I cannot deal oh, with one that. Oh, one of my personal favorite Trinidadian nicknames was tick sauce. Like I was like, oh, we're me? Oh, you talking about me? <laughs> what is tick t- sauce. sauce? <laughs> I like that. You see your teeth? Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, God. All right. So it, it was... a time. It was that messaging in the house where my grandmother, I remember, like, she'd watch not what was Fox News, but the, like, the news in general when I was really young. And she's like, these black people. And she would talk about black people. And I'd be there and be like, um... <laughs> Very confused. I didn't grow mm-hmm. up in a house where they self-identified as black. But then the minute I would walk out the door, they'd be like, hey, black girl. And I'm like, who, me? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, you can't right. be talking to me. I'm Trinny. Like, because in my house, it's Trinidad. Right. Like, I'm living in sovereign That's land. to be a mind screw right there. Oh, That's it be. was a mind screw indeed.
2: That's so crazy, though. Because when you think about it, though, and I, I asked someone who was, you know, black American, born and raised mm-hmm. here. um, But sort of, Thinking about uh, culture, like Black culture, Mm -hmm. um, globally, and then thinking about it like sort of, if we want to think nationally or even regionally, there are differences. Mm -hmm. And so similarly, I was born and raised in New York in what was a very Southern home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be in New York. Right, based Mm -hmm. in New York. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was, the the physical house was in New York. But inside the home was very much Nashville, Tennessee, absolutely, <laughs> and and so even we think about the way that that looks, um, what's fascinating to me is is uh, what what is resonating I guess is how deeply steeped in. Anti-blackness. We are all sort of like when we yeah. think about it, yeah. how, the and how like an- anti-blackness is just woven into yeah. the world. The black actually. American, ex- right? But uh-huh. even in the, it's just so associated with the Black American experience in such a way, yeah. That um, you know, it just is so fascinating to me that in conventionally black spaces that are filled with black people physically,
3: mm-hmm. there is still. still reigns.
2: There, I mean and, and it is such it is such a thing and so so given given that upbringing and your desire to go to a place like fam um you know help us to help us to to know how fam you was instrumental and in sort of you sort of you know,
0: Navigating that confusion. Navigating this. <laughs> this like, <laughs> out of I, mean, it. I can't even
2: find the word. <laughs> Finding like, you know, out of this it. This dissonance,
0: right? Yeah, so, right. That's what I was, this is like a dissonance, that's right? Crazy. It's like, you know,
2: this you black outside, conflict. but you're not black in your house. Right. That's, Ooh, that's, that's so, like a conflict.
3: Yes, it was such a conflict. It really was. Um, For some background, I, I will say what you're saying, Kia, is so real because with anti blackness. Sometimes I think, especially for immigrants, anti blackness feels like survival. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. people showing up to a country looking for the dream that they were sold because white people came to their country and told them Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And then you find the people who look most like you being oppressed and you immediately want to distance yourself. Like, well, I'm not one of them. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And then it it becomes so deeply seated in the culture and the experience, like the the American experience in the worst of ways that you don't even really realize when you're perpetuating it and you're part of perpetuating it and you're dragging your future generations into it as well. Um, And on top of it, and and again, I I absolutely have the deepest respect for my family, but again, it's the messaging. It's unspoken messaging, where my grandmother had seven children and only one had a child with a black person, and that was my mom. Mm -hmm. She's the only one. All of my cousins, for better or for worse, whatever they identify as, are interracial in some way. which is also again my experience as a child my formative years was like okay you know wanting my hair done a certain way and they're like oh you can't Mm -hmm. do your hair like that cousin because your hair is different you know or Mm -hmm. or me knowing throughout my life that I am the dark I'm the darkest skinned cousin Mm -hmm. in in my family Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. even that like I know we joke Jade and I joke all the time about like (laughs) light skin dysmorphia right like where we just do not know (laughs) she look at her face look at her (laughs) I don't know What's the dysm- because Jade actually
2: does have she act, if there is a, a melanin dysmorphia <laughs> situation Jade absolutely has that condition
0: uh, I'm, a, and I'm, I'm sure it. it's clear I'm a highly delusional person it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Without- I like that you were the one to use the word clear <laughs> oh yeah no, because, no that's what the children describe me and it's the children you know children don't lie so when you know, the children are like, it's the a, clear one, a, I'm a, like, now, wait a, a minute. Because <laughs> <minute. laughs> I fight oh, kids, man. That is funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> Not the clear one. <laughs> the clear one. <laughs> yeah, the clear one.
3: Mm-hmm. Man.
0: But what? that is fascinating, though, because I do come from a a, a, um, a very Black American household as well, a very Black, black American family. Even with mm-hmm. everything else woven up in there, I still come from a culturally very black Black American family Mm -hmm. where it's, I don't I don't know anybody who didn't grow up. Yes, I do. I know plenty of people. But I grew up with the just like Kia with we we Mm -hmm. had Luther on a Saturday morning. They Mm might have had a little more gospel in their house. My parents were heathens. (laughs) But, you know, we were listening to Anita. (laughs) We was listening to Marvin and we was listening to Tribe. But we were playing music. We was cleaning. We were doing your culturally black American things. Right. Stereotypical. But when we think about it, we have to take ourselves out of our um, black American experience and understand that it's not a monolith, right? Absolutely. Because when you're in this in this one place, you don't think about the people who don't identify as but who no. families don't identify as black. Because, who, even <clears throat> kids who grow up around all white kids and you're like, "Well, what's your problem?" and it's like, "Oh, right. wait a minute. <laughs> wait
3: a minute. It's this experience. is different." Yeah. yeah. But while you were it's, listening to Luther and gospel and all those things and cleaning, we were cleaning on, on that day too. with to some it. Right. Like, I just mm-hmm. believe it. It's, right. It's, That's why we're not a like monolith. It's parallel li- lives happening in very different mm-hmm. contexts yes. and perspectives. Um, and I'm glad
2: mm-hmm. that you said that Whitney around like, you know, and this is never, I'm, I'm glad that you acknowledge that this was, this is not um, any, any sort of disrespect or, you know, yeah. no. shaming of your family because i think we all have to contend with with the fact that we were we've all been raised literally brought up mm-hmm. and socialized mm-hmm. in a world that has been trained for mm-hmm. centuries to oppose all things black yes absolutely and like you said for survival purposes at, i mean my grandfather i mean other people old, uncles and stuff we used to say all the t- all the time in my house everybody want to be black but don't nobody want to be black hey, Child. and so and so you know it's it is it that is, is an it. interesting it's a, it's you know i think we can make space to talk about these right. things mm-hmm. and it's that's not it. from a place of judgment because folks were doing the best that they could mm. but, but it have. is sort of like when we understand better when we know better and i think our generation having access to information in the way that we do we are a lot uh, better equipped to sort of right. call out and call attention to some of the systemic flaws. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is what mm-hmm. white supremacy is all designed to all do, right? Sort of yeah, start. yeah, it, right. If all it is. It is set. Yes, they yeah. set us up so that we would have these sort of. Internal differences and conflicts, and and to be nitpicking about that yeah. kind of stuff, mm-hmm. so that we'll be distracted from fighting the white the white supremacists. Right,
3: and the worst part <laughs> is that we wouldn't be able to recognize it. Like I think the Absolutely. conflicts and the conversations are so important, and it always helped me be able to connect to the Black American experience mm-hmm. and the like African countries, Nigerian, Ghanaian, Tanzanian, all of those experiences, South African. Like there's so many experiences but we're, it's so pigeonholed into yeah. one and they Limited. made sure to jam us in as much as they could to keep mm-hmm. us in there and to feel like the battle that we're having in this one little trench is all it is. And it's not, Right? It's, it's, not. Not. it's not, it's not. It doesn't speak to, oh, look, look what you're doing to our community. No, we're able, we're allowed to have conflict. We can, yeah. we can disagree, but our disagreement automatically equates the breakdown of our society and the yes. breakdown of our connection and that that's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's not difference, fair. Difference
2: difference is not seen as an opportunity but as no. you know like but but it is an opportunity and it sounds like fam you was really instrumental in sort of opening it was, it up to, it to all all yes. all that the 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 oh, diaspora brings right okay. so Yes. Yeah, so talk us through Sorry. that. Sorry.
3: So yeah, I I no, yeah. um, <laughs> No no no, please. fam you the thing the crazy thing is When I arrived, I was so disillusioned about my identity and so confused, so deeply confused that I didn't know what I was perpetuating and what I was trying to break free of. Like it was still very muddled. I didn't really understand it. And there was a lot of dissonance, a constant dissonance. I was so uncomfortable. My first year, I was so uncomfortable and so confused and so... um, charmed by it all like it's just it was overwhelming it was the blackest space i had ever occupied in my entire life and i had been and lived on the island of trinidad and still mm. was the blackest space i had ever occupied um i remember people would like there would be conversations like oh they were looking for you and they're like yeah whitney the light-skinned girl with the gap. and i'm like light-skinned girl excuse you like, <laughs> mm, i'm brown I'm like what are you talking about I'm like stop it um, it was where are you from, or the conversations, and I would always push away, move back from my blackness. I'm like, I'm Trinidadian, and they're like, Girl, that's not a race. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could list off the people that me.
0: I love us, girl. What you okay. uh, <laughs> you can't an check animal that animal. off on nothing, girl. That ain't on the census. Are <laughs> like, um, you so crazy. What you saying?
3: <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Hello? Stop it. This is your intervention, Whitney. Hello? Oh, man. They didn't even know they were running an intervention on me. Like, my God. So the amount good. of times I, I, I came up against some really uncomfortable... Con- confrontations, and it wasn't a conversation.
2: You were conversation, pushed. Oh Yes,
3: like yeah. people were like they were going to educate me by hook or by crook. You hear me? Absolutely. Those by enemy, You're not
2: leaving out of here, dumb. No, I don't care.
3: no. no you. <laughs> you're not leaving here a tool for white supremacy. You're just not. I'm sorry. You paid your tuition. This is what we got You better do get yourself you. together. Hello. Hey, I'm sorry. Hello? You're not leaving
0: out of here, dumb. It's taking. Mm-hmm. You you're no. not leaving out of here, dumb. No <laughs> man. I don't care what you say. No. You're coming here with no. your foolishness. You won't leave out
2: the same. Before before Everything. we done with these
0: 4 years? I'm showing you every John Singleton every movie that was ever made. Thing. Every Everything. News brothers. Let's not, let's not talk about movies. So I know we Nigga, we, we to learn today. Today well, you're going to learn. Okay. okay? I can't shame I can't shame you today for your lack of knowledge because the people not. are they're hearing the experience as to why you didn't see the color purple until you were 35. So okay. You um, you it's know, okay. I,
3: Ooh, it's you know, fine. It's but you know what? I did watch on loop The Sound of Music and Mary Poppins. <laughs> same, With same. So, I love those movies same. too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean it was just this past week Jade was... and I was singing How Do You Solve a Problem Okay, okay. Hello. okay. okay. And me Hello. and XD was
0: singing Chim Chimney cheroo Because <laughs> I am the Black Mary Poppins so that is absolutely yeah. Fine uh, A little balance never hurt anybody
3: but that was my problem Like all of my images you know, just were just You tell me um, Sam I spent I think it was by I, I entered in two thousand and four and I by two thousand and seven I was like fully in the natural phase. I was fully like other end of the spectrum. Like you know what happens, the pendulum, right? Like where you gotta find your equilibrium. But I swung hard, I swung fast, like mm these white devils ain't about to get me. Like it was, <laughs> it what, was were, uh,
0: what were some of the experiences you had that that well, outside of what you just talked about, but yeah. was there anything specific that you can yes. pinpoint or think yes. of that yes. really helped? Because you were defensive initially, right? Which is a natural human reaction to yeah. be feeling attacked. Yeah. What was it that helped you to kind of to ease out of that that mode of feeling mm-hmm. defensive mm-hmm. and start understanding?
3: I think your that ass. it was defensive, but it was also honestly really scared. Like I, mm-hmm. I had. I spent you spend the entire time being an academic where people are like Whitney's so smart she's so di-. like always academic the the intelligence and all that and suddenly I'm being faced with something that I really genuinely knew nothing about but that was at the core of my existence and it was more so fear than anything else which elicited some defensiveness of course but I was like what do I do? And who are my adult? I don't have anybody to turn to about this. I can't talk to my mom and dad about it because I didn't feel like they were a safe space for it because they did not equip me with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have those trusted people. And I ended up having my own tribe of these women, my God, who I still to this day, every year, pandemic aside, we have a little girls trip. We come together and it's my, my three girlfriends mm-hmm. from college, Amanda, Patrice, and Ikela. And they- Patrice! My girl. No, 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 not that Patrice. Oh, sorry. Okay, I take it back. (coughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, hey patrice i'm sorry hey, okay patrice, so patrice is,
3: sorry <laughs> is mom as well, but this, this other patrice patrice is okay. like born and raised from tallahassee florida okay. and oh yeah it was such a, a girl. yes it was such a difference like my girl amanda is from monterey california and she had like this west coast cali oh. experience she's half um or quarter korean mm-hmm. and three quarters black, but black from Alabama, like, like oh, yes. black, like mm-hmm. they were Southern. So like, it was kimchi really black. and crawfish when we were oh, all yes. come together. Oh yeah. A good
2: time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh, a nice combo. And,
3: yes. And then Ikea from, from Atlanta, but she was an army brat. So she was born, I think in Korea, maybe I'm not, I don't want to lie on her, but she had this really black experience where her father's name is Ike and her sister's name is Ikeera <laughs> and her her yes! name is Ikea. I love it. Woo! I love us. I, I love just us. love us so much. <laughs> okay. I love us. Ah! It was this real, like, <laughs> like this um, collage of black women that I was just like, wow. like, And, and it, it was a, a snapshot of what existed on FAMU's campus, where, again, not a monolith in person, personified. Mm-hmm. Where Absolutely. I encountered there were people skateboarding to class and the punks and the glam girls and of course the niggas, right? Like it's all all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Always.
2: Okay. In every in every okay. space. In every space.
3: Something. It was it was all this. It was it was but everybody in their glory. Everybody was honored. Everybody had a space. Like the guys sure. with the dreads, like the stock dreads coming to class. You know, learning and participating in conversation and and lectures, you know, or leading lectures. It was my first time being able to see us in every aspect Mm -hmm. that was not not combated or judged where you're not the respectability. It it stripped a lot of the respectability from it. And that was so important for me because my family thrived on respectability. That's what I knew if you speak mm. a certain way, code switching, even the accents where my mother would be cursing me out. And another thing, if you feel, you could be big and bad in my house. And then the phone rings and she's like, hello, good evening. <laughs> 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 I'm like, but where <laughs> was that rank, chinny, <laughs> The proper accent, all of a sudden. We just all
2: lived in the same
0: house.
3: Okay. okay yeah.
0: <laughs> just in different ways.
2: Hello. It was
3: that though, it was constantly being told that this way was not the right way to be black. Yeah. And suddenly, I'm in a space where every way is the right way to be black, and I mm. I lived for every minute of it. I mm. love
2: that the the rich the richness of the black experience is something that you are able to be immersed in at right. at, a, at, a, at a HBCU, and I think that that is one of the great treasures um, of these kinds of institutions, right? It, because it. How many i mean you're you're one person, but even someone who was who is black American, you know I regret not having had that experience to mm-hmm. be sort of trained and nurtured and cultivated in a space that was unequivocally black in yeah. every in every respect mm-hmm. to really challenge some of the the ways that society socializes me to hate and 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 dislike and stifle mm-hmm. and suppress myself and my blackness in a place like fam you all of the differences and nuances about being black is what's celebrated Mm
3: -hmm. it is and -hmm. it's
2: about embracing that and so it really adds another layer of, of on onto the conversation about why we need to value and appreciate these institutions Ooh. in the ways that we do. Absolutely. Um if people try to, like you said, like we people try to, to sort of relegate the HBCU experience to these small little things, but we need to have these kinds of conversations to yes. really open up. Absolutely. Um and help people to understand the wealth of things that are going on yes, in absolutely. the HBCU space. Oh for my sure. Gosh,
0: for and sure. I love that you didn't and again, we, we've been talking about this and it's not because we love the H, we love the, uh, the homecoming experience, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. love that. We love that as a culture, like yeah. all of us do. I'll be on the phone with my home girl in Houston who lives down the block from TSU and we'll be on the phone listening to the band. You can hear the yes. band practicing. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. love the homecoming experience, but I do love that in this very unique experience of your blackness and how you grew up mm-hmm. and what even helped you to shift um, in your thinking, it wasn't that just that no. typical that stereotypical what everybody knows no. about an HBCU. It was very yeah. nuanced. And I, I think that's beautiful.
3: I think the thing that we get we i I want to always honor the homecoming because homecoming is absolutely a very significant space, and time. But homecoming is the celebration of all the hard work that we go through on a daily basis.
2: It's a snapshot. Say more about that. Say Mm -hmm. more about, like, what it, what...
3: Please.
2: So, this is a question that I have, actually, because as someone who didn't go to HBCU, I wonder, is there, like, a homecoming course?
3: (laughs) Because I felt like
2: if I were to come into the homecoming experience, I wouldn't even really know where to start. I, I recognize it's something that, you know, you know, it's just got to be there. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but I also wonder, like, you know, the history behind yeah, it.
3: Yes, yes, yes.
2: As a as a literal, like, you know, cent- as a central element of institutional culture there, are there ways that you guys are sort of introduced to it as absolutely, freshmen? Absolutely. Okay, please, talk us through. Help it us. is
3: such a indoctrination, like, in the, the greatest of ways of, like, the culture of the campus of an HBCU. Like, FAMU, we have the set... We have here We have, th- there are these words that I can rattle off that any FAMU <laughs> alum or current student could be like, oh my God, you know. It, mm. We do know, but of course I think that the the honor and the grace and the importance of these celebrations and these moments are always through word of mouth as, you know, typically we pass on general. tradition. Um, oral tradition, absolutely. absolutely. So it was kind of like by witnessing, by seeing, like when you see... Mm. FAMU alum or people's parents and grandparents who graduated from FAMU coming in droves, in caravans. They would put their dunks on the back of trailers and drive up from Miami with the rims and the systems and the rib trucks and the tailgating. Like it was such an event that nobody even had to explain it to me. And I was able to connect to the the idea of the celebration of a hard existence through carnival. And I told, mm. I told Jade, like when we talk about FAMU and, and homecoming, I liken it to Trinidad and Carnival. No, Trinidad is not just about Carnival, just like HBCUs are not just about homecoming, but it is a core part of yeah, the deserved moment of freeing up yourself, being completely, unequivocally, unapologetically yourself and black, and in that space and enjoying yourself because you work damn hard throughout mm. the year. You go through so much, and this is our opportunity to come together in communion, in community, in a shared experience, and we have elders come, professors understand. There's just such an unspoken understanding about what homecoming represents that y- there is no course. You, just ha- you do yeah. have to just physically mm-hmm. be there. What's one of your that. most
0: memorable homecoming experiences? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, <laughs> <laughs> right? I, lo- I you know somebody I about
2: just, to tell a story by their reaction. I just felt like I mean we just went on a journey just in oh
3: my god! You know what it was? I, I to keep it very um, cookie cutter and very cute. It was <laughs> me having again a safe space to really connect to the people around me and understand what my role is with. people i've been navigating my education with right where um the parties where it's the gatherings it's the step shows it's the fashion shows like i did everything that year Mm -hmm. and i was really able to see and find a deeper respect for i would say black american culture as well because Mm -hmm. of course as a caribbean person i don't think i was ever explicitly told this but caribbean culture and even like different african countries have such a dominant presence of tradition and culture that and black american culture is so co-opted so frequently by the space that they occupy like that america is constantly snatching and grabbing and pulling and yanking at your culture that you can't even it looks like they're trying to take their shit back and you're like no actually this is mine this belongs And to they me. would have you to believe that we don't
0: have culture. Oh God! They right. would yes. have you to believe right. that they would we have, don't. S- they they've done so good at that
3: that they've had us believing for a while. Yes. They don't have culture. Yes, it is mm. it is nonsensical. It, it was a homecoming. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was 2005, if I'm not mistaken. And I went to the games, and you know, at the time, love you, fam, you. But we really only went for the band. So half, <laughs> we would arrive before halftime and then (laughs) right on out after. Um, I'm sure the the team is way better now. You know, I hope... (laughs) but that Marching 100 though like yes uh it was that it was just, it was just a collection of these moments it but it was also the moments of riding around Tallahassee with my girlfriends uh smoking cloves and talking about life come on cloves okay let me tell you how Whitney used to love a clove honey I used
0: to love she a used clothes. to love a clove, clove. darling oh, oh my god <laughs> I'd be like, um, are you smoking, what you, over those biddies. Oh,
2: those <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, there's such an undergraduate nostalgia in, the, yes. in a clove. That's yes. so crazy. <laughs> a cheap, a nasty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel comfortable. Oh, so I, feel so comfortable enough. I feel comfortable enough to disclose <laughs> that I smoke clove for maybe about three weeks. <laughs> three. It was probably a total of 21 days I smoked clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I, I was, was like, the club wow. Club. This You're is, club is club.
2: so... This is so cool. They oh smell God. so good. They like told. I was such a bird. <laughs> I and and, they and do then do I went to choir so rehearsal good. and couldn't... I, I, I went to choir her and was like, something's not right. Then, I'm doing this. Yeah, <laughs> because this they're like good.
0: smoking sage smoke. Like, <laughs> it's Oh, and so I said never thick. again.
2: That was my last. I said, oh, Lord, if you get me out of this, I promise. <laughs> Yo, I me, won't do me it me ever admit, again.
3: Let me admit right now that I used to smoke half a clove at a time. I wasn't Because
2: able to... I was like, Glass. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no.
3: Ripping through your chest.
0: You all know the type of person I am, and clothes are still. I'm like, what is this?
3: Fabuloso and (laughs) and incense? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) <laughs> Close claw its way down your throat in the wow. most aggressive way. It was terrible, but yes, it was. That was my experience. It was. It was interwoven with those nights that were not homecoming, um, yeah. or nights that were should have been like homecoming but weren't. Like it was just mm. such a mix of those experiences.
0: You still, I, love, I like I've how you heard... how You delicately ballerina danced around my question and didn't tell me nothing She's...
3: specific. Oh, well, you I. Know. I
0: want to know a story because I know you got one.
3: It wasn't. I, I have to say it wasn't homecoming. It was this uh, event that we have called Be Out Day, and I, I'm not even going ex- to. It it was okay. be out. It was <laughs> it was my first Be Out Day, and a little known rapper named T Pain was performing. If I'm not mistaken, yes! vocally, I stand. Ooh. <laughs> and, um, or his, and the, the music was going it was just a it vocalist was, it was an experience and it was a time when i was able to identify another part of my identity where like being a wonderful now a black woman and I identify as being a Black American person, especially now that I have traveled internationally so extensively. Like, I am a Black American person. I want that representation. That. I want I want that. I, I demand it is very important to my identity. So identifying as a Black American and then identifying as bisexual. So it was a really safe space um, to... to navigate all of that with safe people and just it just was a vibe it was really just a vibe and I know that's not probably not everybody's experience at these events and homecoming and but for me homecoming be out there these significant celebrations on campus were Mm -hmm. moments where I felt most free even more so than at carnival in Trinidad I've never Mm -hmm. felt that free in my own home country so Mm -hmm. yeah that's what FAMU,
2: Homecoming, and Beyonce represented for me. You use this word freedom so many times and it's really interesting. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I think as you were talking earlier about um, sort of just being engulfed in this family experience and just really r- relishing in all, the, all of the blackness, <laughs> I'd never heard Homecoming phrased as, you said something about it being like a, ce- a celebration mm-hmm. and how it's like, yes. we, we work so hard to yeah. be black in America. Yeah. This is our time to be home and to just be free. Yeah, And I've never thought about it like that. You think about it in terms of like homecoming people who were students there returning home, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we didn't, I've never really, you know, that connotation of it being a celebration mm-hmm. of the fact that we have survived being yeah. black and, and unsafe yes in <laughs> and, and all of these other places yes. and you can come here and celebrate your black that is something that I've never heard it phrased that way but that you know helps me to to really connect with with your uh description of your experience and yeah. really in a new way yeah right mm-hmm.
3: I think we deserve that like i, I yes. we deserve and I see it more so now than ever with like this newer generation I had to reach out to this girl. That i follow and and really commend her on living in luxury mm. getting what you deserve doing what you deserve and and showing it to other people like this is mine this is what i did this is what i get so homecoming yes it is coming home For sure. And and we need that. But we also Mm. need to see what all this hard work pays off for. Does that make sense? Like as a Mm -hmm. student, I can't imagine not having homecoming. You're just kind of grinding through and trying to make it because let me tell you something. Fam Campus is a very small part of what Tallahassee, Florida actually is. Mm -hmm. And I will not, I will not be disrespectful to that city because I learned a lot there. And, and one of the most pivotal moments of my life occurred there. And I will always find an opportunity to go back there, but it was not easy. It was Mm -hmm. not easy. And they made sure of it. There were literal train tracks that separate FAMU and FSU. Mm -hmm. It's it's so clear. and so apparent. It's so blatant in your face, Mm -hmm. even despite the excellence happening on that campus, Mm -hmm. despite it. It's so, it's so wildly disrespectful. So, those opportunities to celebrate and to come home and to have people from near and far come back and be like, look, look what's out there. Y'all, this is what we did. Mm -hmm. Let's celebrate. Let's eat. Let's drink. Let's party. Let's let's dance. Let's show all of our things. Mm -hmm. Let's brag a little bit. Like let's flaunt and flex a little bit. Let's go above our means a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's all of that. And it's, it's Wipe so your cards, ladies and gentlemen. swipe yeah. okay. your cards. Okay. Get okay. that financial aid check out. Come on. Throw it in the bag. <laughs> Throw it ball. in the bag. Okay. <laughs> I, I,
0: I Just you for are, weekend. You are really like, you are really presenting this in a very different way that I've not really heard um, the HBCU uh, explained as. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it seems so sacred. It's come off so sacred from you. Yeah. Um now, it sounds like you've had this experience at FAMU, and then you had this very unique experience growing up, which yeah. somehow created this like beautiful balance. Where have you been since FAMU? Tell us, because you mentioned something about six, seven countries. So walk us through a little bit of where you've been and like where that journey at FAMU took you to.
3: Yeah, um, I left FAMU <laughs> in the most unceremonious way possible because life Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Sally Mae was already banging at the door And I was like let me pack my stuff and get up out of here Because yeah, she's aggressive <laughs> She's yeah. a lot like I'm tired yeah. I gotta get out of here um, I ended up back in New York Which was an interesting choice mm-hmm. But New York City of course Raised me and that, that, I felt like That's where I needed to go back to To continue some of these lessons And mm-hmm. when I tell you New York City taught, teaches you Resilience if nothing else nothing Like else. there's nothing anybody In any corner of this planet could mm. tell me that I did not have a very drunk person on the A train yell at me at 12 o'clock at night going through Brooklyn. Like, there's really nothing. You could try. I'd love to hear it. I bet you ain't never
0: screamed at a group of eight (laughs) niggas on the train at 4 a.m. from Utica to Kingsbridge. But anyway, continue.
3: That is exactly (laughs) it. Um, I worked in... uh, child protection for the most part like I'm thinking like foster care and foster care prevention I did that for about five or six years and then I ended up moving to my first country on my own so the other countries before was with my my family um and then I ended up moving to Doha Qatar because my cousin Akila was working there. And my cousin, my family is like, again, a, an instrumental part in me being who I am for wh- mm-hmm. whatever they are has absolutely impacted me in the best of ways, quite honestly, because it led me to where I am today. Um, she was working there and she knew I like to travel. She was like, wait, they're paying for my housing, everything, transportation, just come through. And my mom worked for the airlines. She sec- secured me a $400 ticket, round trip ticket to Doha, Qatar. And I went. And I, again, t- again, one of those moments where I was like washed with this like energy of like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And it was because my cousin, again, an attracting person was surrounded by black women from Jamaica, the UK, the US, the South specifically, um, mothers, wives, single women, all women that I met that night at this party, uh, some BBC anchors, educators, like just like a, a, an array of these fabulous, dope women, black women that were not a monolith that I couldn't place anywhere. And I was like, are y'all really out here thriving like this? And they're like, yes, girl, come join us. And Please, some of them even that. strategically helped me get there. No. Carla, Kelly, mm-hmm. like they went through, they, they walked me through it like, like I was their own. And that's how I ended up in my first international posting. And it was all she wrote after that. I remember on that trip, I hadn't even secured a job. I hadn't even really wrapped my mind around living abroad, never mind a GCC country in the Middle East. But I remember telling my friend at the time, I'm like, I'm, I'm moving here, I'm, I'm leaving. And they were like, girl, please stop it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, watch. And since then it's been Doha. And then I went to Dubai the Netherlands Germany and I'm back in the Netherlands now mm-hmm. so I love that
0: I love that I love yeah. your journey I think that's such a unique journey and I appreciate you coming and sharing that with us and I think you brought it up earlier and we talked about it a little bit before but I think the, hearing this experience especially from somebody who grew up uh, in a household where black was not a monolith and might have had a similar HBCU experience where it helped to kind of change the trajectory of their lives. Um, I'm sure they'll find great comfort in this conversation. Kia, do you, do you have anything you wanted to add?
2: No, I'm really grateful. Um, again, like, you know, just echoing what Jay said, I'm, I I think what you have added to this conversation, um, about HBCUs really does enrich our understanding Mm -hmm. of, of the, you know this sort of sector of higher education, yeah. um, and all of the many ways that these institutions stand as pillars in Black yes. society yeah. and mm-hmm. and make contributions to American society in Overall. general. Absolutely. Um, and so I'm, I love you know how candidly you've spoken about you know all your your, your HBCU experience, and like Jay said, I definitely feel like it will um, resonate with mm-hmm. with our listeners whether they be folks who went to HBCUs or folks who didn't get an opportunity to go yeah. but as we're sort of trying to drum up um and some excitement and momentum and getting people thinking about ways that we can sort of invest in these institutions in meaningful mm-hmm. ways yeah. um I think what you have added to the conversation is undoubtedly impactful yeah, and, and makes thank a big you. difference so thank, 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 thank you for providing the yes. platform
0: absolutely thank you for joining <laughs> and actually rounding out our uh target bonus um, little stint here that we did. Thank you for rounding that out with such a with such a beautiful and meaningful conversation. So I'm mm-hmm. i I'm gonna li- leave with one more question, and then I'll leave you alone.
3: <laughs> no, you won't, because
0: we've also I went well. No, I'm not gonna leave you alone, but I'll leave you alone on here. Um. <laughs> So you, we, we've had very candid conversations and we all, we've all had very candid conversations about our experiences here in America. We know we're not here to talk about all the political injustices and all the things that are going on because we all understand them to be true. And I know we also talk about some of the difficulties in the white motherland that you're in right now, Girl, um, a whole but of it, also so. some of the extreme benefits that we're lacking over here in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you encourage your child to leave there with some, you know, with some of that stability and that comfort to come here to, you know, where it can get a little difficult sometimes, but to attend an HBCU for that experience.
3: Uh, Absolutely. Like, I will always say, like, I will never stop singing news praises. Partly because I owe them that because I used to talk so much crap about them during uh, financial aid time where I was upset. I was upset. You don't run me my money. Um, so I also need to offset that. There's a couple of posts I have to go back and be like, ooh, did you say that about you? Hmm i so sorry. <laughs> <I'm> oh, so <sorry. laughs> I was hungry. You know, I didn't eat that day. You
2: know, you know. And our, 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 I don't we mean was it. Very zealous. In our our candid youth. You youth.
3: Know. <laughs> I <don't laughs> mean it. I, and it's what Kia was saying earlier. Like for me, freedom is such a vibe. It's such a key part of my life. Like, freedom and safety are things that I'm constantly trying to maintain, protect, establish in my life, no matter where I am. And Mm -hmm. I I definitely speak a lot about that in conversation, in panels, podcasts, posts, all of it. It, Freedom and safety is so clutch and key, especially as a black woman. And Mm -hmm. and being able to lead with that is so important. So I know that my life now has taken a turn in the trajectory that I had never expected. Um, my plan after leaving Dubai was to go to Ghana, quite honestly. Like I was, I had my school set up. I knew exactly where I was going, but George, you know, detoured me in the best ways. And I absolutely <laughs> love that man. Um, and he's totally worth it, but I do envision like a future and a family and a child or, and I do encounter a lot of black children here. And to me, to me, and I might be speaking out of turn cause I've only been in this country for two and a half years, believe it or not. I think they need it even more than even yeah. black children who mm-hmm. grow up in America. Because mm-hmm. when they say, go back to your country here, they mean it. Yeah. They mean it. There's no rebuttal. Like yeah. we could say you first, white man. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I will follow your paper,
0: Right. But
3: here they mean it. And they mean it with yeah. every core of their cream of wheat body. Like they mean <laughs> it. <laughs> And I think that there's something very particular about having that experience and internalizing that as a child here. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage anybody, anybody, even white people.
2: Even me. Because I feel like it sounds like homecoming is something that we all deserve. Hello? Oh, oh, we all deserve. No, absolutely. And you're all
3: welcome. Everybody is welcome. Oh, I've been. I
0: have invaded many a homecoming.
3: (laughs) let's be clear.
0: I I but invade. I I yeah. think it probably hits different especially it listening does. to you speak speak about it so meaningfully when you're sitting there in that experience day in and day out and then it to does. be able to to have that joy because you've, yeah. you've earned that joy you more than deserve that joy right yeah um,
3: I fully if you have not attended an HBCU homecoming I fully recommend that you do it better be fam you um, <laughs> I won't judge. I won't judge. Whatever is most uh, accessible. Accessible. Um, I will say that FAMU is absolutely a sacred space for me. Um, you cannot say anything about that school, even if it's true. I, I will absolutely <laughs> claw- watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. We yeah, we no, keep right. home things at home. That's um, it. it is a sacred space, and it is a uh, a, a space that I encourage people to. Partake in respectfully anybody of any background, any experience. I fully recommend that you partake in it because you get such a beautiful and wonderful snapshot of what Black people have been trying to tell you since Mm -hmm. they arrived, in in varying spaces across the diaspora. Ain't that it? I love that.
0: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh my god! And I'm going to
2: take you up on that. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going
2: to. I have another friend who went to FAMU. He graduated. He's younger than us, um, so <laughs> a he's a about. baby. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean he and he was in the marching band, so Ooh. all things, mm-hmm. oh, he know, was all immersed. He was, I mean, I Ooh. mean, to the side, yes. Um, but yes, so uh, I, I just just hearing about. I just I think Florida is an interesting an interesting place, mm-hmm. and so having the and I have been sort of lightly introduced to homecoming situations, you know... But I haven't had a full-on experience. I Somebody don't. invite getting
0: grown to a homecoming. We want to come yes! and stop. It. You know what I'm saying? Have Let us them come here. in Let them and host, kitchen some, table. host something. You know what I'm saying? Let us come bring the kitchen table down yes. to your campus. That's what I'm saying. Be, it don't have to be, be Florida. And while you're I- at it, <laughs> holler at a
3: Trinidad carnival as well. Once it's better, oh, you know up that's on. I haven't. I have not done that. And Ooh, I you know that's on the list. Must. It's a must. Dude, I can't, I wait, I to, I to can't wait to play Mass.
2: I went to Trinidad my senior year in college. Mm. We went to Trinidad for our spring break, and we oh. missed Carnival maybe by like a week
3: by second. But I know
2: by <laughs> second. So we did like four days in Trinidad, four days in Tobago. Yes, oh, I'm so I've glad always wanted to bro. go back. It was. So good, it was so uh, like amazing. You have to do both. You, have you to do
3: both. do both. I am proud of you. Thank you for doing both. <laughs> and let me tell you about Tobago, they they be like, "Oh, you only going to Trinidad? You don't know nothing about
0: that." Anytime <laughs> any um, I mention, if both. I when I mention stuff, if I I say Trinidad and Tobago, I'll and say Trinidad is from Trinidad, <laughs> but if I'm talking sure about Angostura, if I'm talking about anything, I'll say and Tobago, and they will message me. Thank you for adding in Tobago. <laughs> we we'll really appreciate it because everybody forget. <laughs> Yeah, I'm they terrible. They just think it's just Trinidad.
3: And I'm, I'm like, oh, terrible. terrible. <laughs> Something I'm working on in my language.
2: <laughs> we will respect. Yes. We will respect. We love you But y'all. yes, thank you, Whitney. This has been amazing. Thank we really you. appreciate you for coming and sharing your experience, your insight, your journey. It's been dope to have you in conversation. <laughs> yes. Um, especially such an important one about such an important um thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, so we really, really thank you. And thank you. And guys thank you, for you to Target.
3: Listening.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Black Beyond Measure actually highlighting HBCUs and HBCU students. Yes. Um and you know we have uh some some HBCU students will be featured in the 2020 2022 Black History Month campaign at Target, which mm-hmm. is going to be dope. So we're the excited design we challenge. Can't wait to see that the design mm-hmm. challenge. So yeah thank you to Target. Thank you to Whitney. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys, for listening. Jay, take the people out. Take them out. That's right. how we always go out.
0: Well, first and foremost, it doesn't matter where you're at. FAMU, you, Hampton, Howard University, <laughs> TSU, Prairie View, wherever you're at. You want to make yeah, sure that you you're drinking your water. Yes, it's yours. You it also want to make sure when you're in all of those locations, especially so, to mind your business. Yes.
2: Your business. Yours and yours alone. Key. And
0: yours, yours, alone. And yours and Somebody yours alone. <laughs> And Very no matter important. what region you're in, whether it's humid, whether it's chilly, whether it's cold, whether it's hot and dry, you must always moisturize your skin. Amen. Why, everybody?
2: Because your black will crack.
0: If it's dry. It will.
3: Don't let them lie to you.
0: Okay, you can go get you. your lotion Don't the hype. down at the Target. And get them elbows. Yes. Or down at the campus store. Get, get the elbows. We'll see all you all
2: later. <Joints>. Fingers, toes. Love yeah. y'all. Thank you.
0: Love you guys. Bye-bye.